Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come together once again and to look at some principles in uh, right living. And Lord, we pray that you guide us by your Spirit. And for those that are yet uh, coming, we pray that, uh, Lord, you bring them swiftly here, that uh, they can catch uh, the even beginning parts of this. So just be with us. Give us guidance. Open our eyes that we may see and our ears that we may hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, welcome once again to... Uh, the seminar, Exit the Dragon, Spiritual Dangers of the Martial Arts. Um, I am, a lot of people have told me I need to uh, write a book, and I was supposed to have it finished before camp meeting, so you guys have something in your hands. However, as a pastor, I did get uh, quite busy. I just uh, transitioned it to another church district um, just a couple of months ago, and I hit the ground running, visiting as many people as I can. We got between the two churches, I got 25 interests for Bible studies we need to follow up on, training, uh, training um, members and getting ready for evangelism in one of the churches in the fall. So no book <laughs> for camp meeting. But anyway, um, if you want an update on uh, Remnant Publication wants to publish it, so I'll let them do that. But uh, here's my information. You can email me. Let me know that you want updates on when that's available. And if you have questions, just email me here. Um, I do have a card for my other email through the conference. But this way, if it goes through here, I know what the topic is. Okay? And uh, I, I do have a website that is under construction. And it will probably be a while for it to be constructed. Jesus will probably come before then, okay, before that happens. So there's my info, and this will help me to understand uh, that when you email, that that is what you are, what the topic's going to be. So exitthedragon7 at gmail.com, okay? Give you a chance to write that down. Again, exitthedragon7 at gmail.com. I know some of you just take a picture. That's the wonders of technology. It's done, and you don't have to worry about writing it down incorrectly or anything like that. Okay? All right, and that is, that is me, Bayani Pastrana. All right, today's topic is combative mind versus the mind of Christ. Now, would you say that we are living in perilous times, yes or no? People often ask and are asking more and more nowadays, what's it going to be like in the end times? Well, guess what? Look around. Look at the newspaper. Okay? Uh, look at the news. Go on the internet. Listen to the radio. There's per perilous times coming on. I remember this was a few years ago when I was in another church district. I heard on the news that there was a drive-by shooting, okay? And uh, this guy, he did a drive-by shooting on, on somebody who owed him money, but the person was not in there, but the two-year-old child was, okay? It was in the car seat, so the, the child was killed. The guy did drive-by shooting. The one he was actually after was not in there. Why? Because he owed him $60. Okay? When we read the scriptures and you read Matthew 24, when Jesus talks about 
that we are, you know, when they ask him the question of what it's going to be like at his coming and the end of the world, okay, he gives signs of the nearness of his coming. You remember that in Matthew 24? He gives signs and other signs of the nearness of his coming. And then he goes into, in Matthew 24, verse 12, he gets to this part here, where he explains that because iniquity, that is lawlessness, shall abound, the love of many shall what? Wax cold. One of the signs that we have in these last days is that things are going to get worse and worse. So let me ask you this question. Do you think violence is going to decrease or increase as we get closer and closer to Christ's return? It will increase. It will increase, dear friends. Now, here's the thing. People look around today, and uh, one thing I hear a lot is that, well, well, we need to protect ourselves. Now, understand, I'm not talking about whether you defend yourself or not. The issue here is do we actively participate and join and learn the Eastern arts for the sake of protecting ourselves or defending ourselves? I did a, I did a one... Uh, uh, testimony one time, and I actually called it, because I was invited to a church, I called it self-defense can kill you, okay? And that kind of says it all, because people say, well, I got to learn to defend myself, okay? So their solution is to join, you know, self-defense classes, the martial arts, and so forth, the Eastern arts. But let me ask you this question. If the world is getting worse, and if violence is going to increase as we get closer to Christ's return, what does that tell you about the training you need to do then if that is your solution? Should you train less, or will you need to train more and more and more? More and more and more. You will not be able to keep up with it, dear friends. It is a sign of the time. That is not the solution. The solution is actually in two verses later. Well, let's look at verse uh, 13 and 14. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. So guess what? As people get colder and colder, as violence increases, we are to endure what is going on. But here is the solution, dear friends, verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. What is the solution to, to verse 12? Iniquity shall abound, so the love of many shall wax cold. What is the solution? Join the Eastern arts? No, the solution is in verse 14. The gospel needs to go out into all the world, for witness unto all nations, then the end shall come. That is the only solution. Because no matter how much you try and keep up with, uh, with, the, uh, the, you know, with the violence that is going on, you need to train more and more and more, okay? If the martial arts is your solution. Are you with me? Simply because violence will increase. The love of many shall wax cold. Violence does increase uh, people's hatred. Nowadays, you know, there was a time when people would try... They would, they would get back at somebody when somebody did them wrong. 
we're at a time in Earth's history now that things are random. You know what I'm saying? Somebody does somebody wrong, and all of a sudden they take it out on anybody that's, you know, that's uh, within the vicinity. Matter of fact, nowadays, you don't have to do anything wrong to somebody. They'll just, they'll just start shooting or doing whatever. Things are just getting worse. That is not the solution. The solution to violence in the world is the coming of Christ. That is the only solution, dear friends. Let's look at the combative mind versus the mind of Christ. In the Bible, here's what it says as, as far as how we should think. Philippians 4.8. Many of you are familiar with this. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Okay? Notice how the mind has to be thinking on those things that are pure. Okay? That's where the mind has to be directed. Whether it's something that you read, if it's something that you watch, something that you listen to, it should be something that will direct us into pure thoughts. Okay? Now, in the martial arts, it's different here because when you train in those arts, in those fighting arts, you are to think offensively and to think of the opponent as a mere object to be destroyed rather than someone that Christ came and died for. Part of the training in the martial arts, or a big part of it, is to basically uh, get rid of the passivity that is in an individual. In, in other words, if you're going to fight, you cannot be passive. Okay? And so what happens now is you don't think of that person as a person. There is a dehumanization. If I were to ask somebody here today, okay, or if you were to, uh, to try and punch somebody, many of you will hold back. Okay, why? Because you just can't do it. I remember training one time when we were training, I was training the bow staff. Okay, it's a stick. It's a staff. It's about yay high. And then uh, and we train. I remember this was when I was still a student. And we had there, there was a, that class, and then the, the instructor there, he basically, he would be in a stance, and what he was saying is just to take the stick and to break his leg. That was his instruction. And then what he did is he went to one student, and one student went like this, and of course, he'd leap out of the way into his cat stance and so forth. He did his cat leap. And then he would go to different students. He came to me, and he, with that same instruction, I came with that combative mind that I was going to break his leg. That's what he told me. And so I went like this with the intent to break his leg, and sure enough, he got, you know, he did his cat leap, and so he was safe. However, he pointed out that in that whole class, I was the only one who had that combative mind at that time. The others pulled back. So in other words, if he did not move, they would have just either just touched him or just stopped just before him, just before the leg came. Okay? Do you see what I'm saying? 
Does that make sense? So what they did was that they went, they went and swung that staff, that stick, at his leg. However, they swung it in such a way that even if he did not get away, he would have been fine. But the way I did it was with the combative mind. If he did not get out of the way, his leg would have been broken. But what happens there is because I dehumanized him. He was no longer a person in my mind. He was just an object that I needed to basically destroy. So I followed that instruction to a cue. And that is with that combative mind. And the goal of this is to develop and cultivate a combative mind. That's, that's the whole thing of, of training combatively, thinking of things. And combative mind is the power that is behind the techniques used for self-defense and for fighting. Okay? And I'll unpack this in a moment. So what you need to do is, if you're going to do any kind of uh, fighting technique, even in self-defense, there is a combative mind that needs to happen. Every combatant must develop a what? Combative mind. The whole thing, both of those, the root word is combat. Uh, in Webster's online dictionary, it uses combative with two definitions. We're more concerned with the second one, but look at the first one because it's the same word, striving to overcome an argument. Okay? Now that's when somebody is arguing and so forth. Have you ever met anyone like that? Where they have to win the argument to the point where they're getting, you know, the nice way of saying it is they're, they're passionate. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's a nice way of saying it. But in reality, what is it? They are combative. Okay? And another definition, which is basically tied into it, is having or showing a ready disposition to fight. Okay? And you, you were saying this would be true even for those styles that are more about evasion and sidestepping attacks and all that. You're still needing to develop a combative mind in order to do those. Okay, so the question is, when you do those evasive and, and, uh, and yielding uh, type of movements, you still need combative mind. We're going to unpack this. Okay, and then I'll get back to that, uh, that question. That's a very good question. I'm going to unpack, and we're going to see. But the short answer is yes, you still need that, that combative mind. Okay? The only, there's only one technique you can do where you do not need combative mind, and it will help you. Okay? And I can teach it to you if you want. I don't have a problem teaching this one technique. Okay? Do you guys, you, guys, you guys want to see what it looks like? Yes. I'll do it in slow motion so you can see what it looks like. It goes like this. So here's your opponent. What it is, is you do a turn, and then you go <laughs> like this. And then what you do now is you master that, and then to the point where you can do it faster and faster and faster, to the point that, you, you become just a blur. <laughs> and hopefully you have mastered that technique more than that other individual. 
in that case, you do not need combative mind. Okay? So, but I'll get back to that question as we unpack this, because that's a very good question. I get that all the time. Okay, so having or showing a ready disposition to fight. I used to walk around with this mindset anywhere I went. As soon as I entered a room, I assessed the situation. I assessed where everybody was. I assessed every individual. I would look at them and assess what kind of a person they would be and so forth. What, and and I, would, I would see how, how they walked. Was there confidence in their walk? Or were they unsure of themselves? And I would gauge, and what I would do is analyze, because I was in a ready disposition to what? Fight. Okay, that was the mindset. And of course, the mind, you know the mind, that which is responsible for one's thoughts and feelings, it is the seat and faculty of reason. Okay, that's the mind. That's the part that does the thinking. The brain is just the organ. The mind are your thoughts and so forth and your feelings. Okay. Now, combative mind. What we need to do in combative mind to do that is to have a repetition of violence in a controlled environment. It is necessary to have that to remove passivity and replace it with intensity and aggression. Okay? So what it is is that, so what happens now is you need to get rid of that passivity. You cannot be passive. And so what happens now is that's where you have two men sparring, where you have uh, another person and you practice sparring. Okay? And you see that all the time when they're, they're practicing their techniques and they're, and they're going back and forth. Okay? Or that's two-man sparring, you may have others. If you're doing multiple opponent fighting, then of course it's more than just the two people. There's also things like uh, shadow boxing. Ever hear of shadow boxing? That's one of those when you're training by yourself and you don't have a partner. That is when you now visualize the person uh, coming in. And so when they're coming in, then you're, you're, you're picturing yourself doing the block and then doing whatever it is you're doing. So the point here is, what you're doing is you got to get rid of the passive attitude, okay? That is the combative mind. But again, the problem with combative mind is now to really develop it is you cannot see a person as a person, okay? The moment you do, that passivity will come back, especially if you see that person as somebody who Christ came and died for, okay? and that you need to witness to. Without combative mind, if I do a kick, okay? If I do a kick, now, let's say I do a kick, right? If I do a kick without combative mind, you might as well just be playing soccer. Okay, anyone ever play soccer? Okay, or football where you kick the ball, right? That itself, okay, is the absence of combative mind. All you're doing is a kick, okay? Now, somebody may come here and they can shut the door, right? You shut the door, guess what? No big deal, 
No combative mind. All you're doing is shutting the door. But as soon as you want to use that in a situation like they do in the martial arts, guess what now? You need combative mind added with it. So now it's not just closing the door, but now it's what? You're, you're using it as a strike or a block or whatever it is. There is now intent in it. Okay? Otherwise, you might as well just play soccer. So we like to practice kicks, we will play soccer. Okay? This leads to the development and cultivation of combative mind. Okay? When we do that, when we get rid of that passivity. And combative mind is the power that is behind the techniques used for self-defense and fighting in real-life situations. What kind of situations? Real-life situations. Okay? Now, the problem, okay, if in combative mind, the, there's a problem. For example, if you had a rifle without bullets, what good is it? What good is a rifle if you go out to war and, and your commanding officer, he gives you a rifle to go out into battle, but you don't have any bullets to use? Okay, well, they're at a distance, so you can't quite hit them. You can throw it at them, but they're way over there, so. It's a boat anchor, <laughs> it's a boat anchor right? Okay, so what good is it? Isn't it any good? What do you need in the rifle? Bullets. The combative mind are like those bullets. The technique is like the, the rifle. You may have the technique, but you need the combative mind. My wife, she trained for five and a half years. And uh, she would throw guys down that were like 200 pounds or so. Okay? You did not want to mess with her. I did not want to mess with her. <laughs> Before or after marriage. <laughs> Probably less after marriage, but. <laughs> but anyway, so we're from Toronto, okay? We're from Toronto. She was born there. She grew up there. Uh, I was born in the Philippines, grew up in, in Toronto. My wife is Greek. But anyway, she trained. And where she worked, she worked at a head office, so there was a building there. It was a head office of a uh, real estate company. So they had, you know, it was their uh, head office there, building. And they offered a one-month self-defense class. One-month self-defense. And so all these ladies in that building, they went and they went and to learn self-defense, okay? And so after one month, they were done their self-defense classes. One of the ladies that worked in my wife's department came up to my wife and said, Hey, Antigone, look, you've been training for, uh, you know, for all these years in the martial arts, and we, we learned to defend ourselves in one month. <laughs> right? So my wife asked, Oh, really? What, uh, what did you learn? So she said, Well, we learned this, we learned that, we learned this. You know, and one thing she said was, uh, we learned to get out of a chokehold if somebody comes to choke you. So my wife told her this, okay, let's see what you can do. And my wife said, okay, I'll come in to choke you, but I won't crush your windpipe. I won't suffocate you. I'll just put my hands up like I'm choking you. And I will tell you when I will do it. 
And after that, I'm not going to do anything else. That's all I'm going to do. Okay? So, what happened there is, uh, Christopher, come on up for a second. We're not going to do this. I'm not going to. He's a minor, so I got, I got to be careful. <laughs> but anyway, we got to start a liability form if I was to do something. But, so, all, all this is, so my wife just tells her, okay, I'm going to come now. Okay? That's fair. Tells her when to come. And then uh, my wife comes in, you know, like this, and that's all she did, just put her hands there. And then afterwards, she not, did not do anything. But here's what happened. My wife was not using a rifle without bullets. This rifle had bullets in it. So when she came in, she came in not as if it was a classroom, but that it was a real-life situation. Now, if you're out on the street and somebody wants to come and choke you, they're not going to go like this. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? They're not even going to go like this. I mean, it is real. Internally, that person is out to hurt you. So she came in with the intent to hurt and if not even kill that person. So when my wife came in with that intent, that lady, after her self-defense classes that she did, froze. She just froze. She could not move. Why? Because she was not taught combative mind. Thank you. She did not understand the, the intent that comes with the techniques. What happens in the classroom is different than what happens out on the street. Okay? And so what happens now is... That lady, all of a sudden, she's trained that, that one month of self-defense. Now, she comes to my wife with confidence. But guess what? It was a false sense of confidence. Okay? So the problem with that, with not having the combative mind and just learning the techniques, is you gain a false confidence. Without combative mind, the practitioner, practitioner is left with a false sense of confidence. What kind of confidence? It's false. They think they can defend themselves, but without combative mind, you might as well be kicking a soccer ball. Okay? Because the intensity, what happens out on the street, is different than in a classroom. Now, anybody ever hear of Dan Inosanto? Okay. Then in Santo, he trained with Bruce Lee. He's the one that taught Bruce Lee to use the arnis, which is a uh, fighting sticks. Okay, and the escrima, which is longer. Okay. Anyway, so they trained together, and uh, and also in in knife fighting. Okay. Here's what he had to say. He says only one out of ten trained black belts of any style could survive an attack by an adolescent with a blade after a few short lessons. The danger is that the knife has all the power. The person is just a delivery system. Ordinary training does not realistically prepare a student for this very specialized self-defense. Okay? So basically, here what he's talking about is it's not just about technique. It is beyond that. It's a specialized type of training that happens 
in, for in this case, uh, a knife uh, fighting. Okay? Now, anybody ever hear of this guy, Chuck Norris? Okay, many of you have. Okay? Here's what he says. If you are physically, mentally, and emotionally prepared, you'll win. This is the philosophy that makes my students good students. This is the philosophy that makes my fighters great fighters. And this is the philosophy that I live by. First thing to note that he is here letting us know that it's not just physical. There's also the mental training involved and the emotional training. Okay, the physical training is just the technique. The mental training is that combative mind. It almost sounds like a bomb that's about to go off. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so he says uh, physically, for those listening to the CDs, there was a, a beep that was going. So they, they might wonder what we're talking about. That's the difference between being here in person and uh, just hearing the recording. But anyway. So it's not just the physical, he's talking about also the mental and the emotional, and that involves that mental preparation and the emotional preparation of being in a combat mode. Okay, You can't do it going into it with just techniques. You need combative mind. Here, The Way of the War, Warrior, that book, it's called The Paradox of the Martial Arts, Here's what the, they say there, Howard Reed and Michael Kosher, uh, they wrote this. It says, some traditional masters object to the martial arts being converted into what? Sports. The attack that has to be pulled back instead of followed through will be launched with less conviction each time, and so will be weakened. Okay? So what they're saying here is you'll see some sports, and what, what happens is when they hit they get a point for it, okay? But there are uh, many traditional masters that object to that because what they have done now is trained them that when they hit, okay, all they need to do is be able to touch that person and they get a point, okay? They get a point. Whereas in reality, no one's going to get hurt just by hitting here. Okay, point of contact is back here, and then there's that follow-through. So you're actually hitting through that person. So what happens here is um, the way they train is the way they're going to end up fighting eventually. But the reality of it is there is a follow-through that happens, and if you're in a combat mode, you need to be able to think that way. But understand that in this, in this uh, combative mind that we have, that a martial artist has, that needs to be used in that combat, and the only way it's used is if you do not see that person as another individual, okay? So, in other words, what they're saying here, too, is when you switch it into a sport, you do weaken that combative mind because it is not a real situation out there. Andreas Mellis is a friend of mine. He's an ordained minister, um, Seventh-day Adventist minister, minister. He trained in Shotokan Karate, Goju Ryu, which is Okinawan Karate, trained in Kung Fu, Ninjutsu, and Tang Sudo. Here's what uh, he had to say when I was talking to him. He said, 
This is being in the train. He says, I found myself becoming more attracted to violence and building up a desire to use it. Okay? Now, it's interesting that I will have parents tell me, well, I want Johnny to learn nonviolence. So I want, want you to train Johnny so he can learn nonviolence. Okay? So let me get this straight. You want him to learn nonviolence by putting him in a violent situation that he can, you know, violently get out of. <laughs> okay? Remember the, the biblical principle, by beholding we become changed. Okay? Some of you may know this guy. He's an ordained minister. He used to be here in this conference. Oscar Montez. Okay? He trained in kickboxing. And I was talking to him. Here's what uh, he shared with me. Aggression becomes so much a part of you that when you finally decide to get rid of it, you've got to fight it every day. It's a constant battle. It becomes a part of you. And what happens, by the way, when we train, we are training not to make it second nature, but to even make it first nature. Okay, where that is just a part of you. Here in... Um, one psychologist wrote this, and uh, he observed this through his studies. This is in the book, uh, Practical Psychology for Pastors, by William R. Miller and uh, Kathleen A. Jackson. They wrote this, aggression begets what? More aggression. Witnessing violence on television and in movies does not discharge anger in the viewer, but rather increases the chances that the viewer will be aggressive himself or herself when? On later occasions. In other words, somebody watches TV, they're not going to get up and do whatever they just saw, okay, and be violent. No, it's become internalized. The brain, the way the brain works, is kind of like the way uh, the grounds have worked out there in the past few days. Okay, you notice when, when it was raining and it became soft? And if you notice, who here is in H-loop? <laughs> what? What do you notice about H-loop? You got, you go, you got your, those tread marks, those tire tracks in there. The brain is like that. When, when the brain goes through something and we think something, that's why the Bible teaches us to, to meditate, to think about God's law, about God, about His mercy, about, about His works. Okay? Because the brain, it gets formed. The more things go through it, it becomes deeper and deeper and it becomes more and more ingrained okay just like the uh, you know the the you know h loop and so forth i'm driving around in the cart there's two places i almost got stuck in okay because i decided to go here but i got caught in that in that tire tracks sure enough it's hard to get out of it well same thing each time you watch something violent it becomes ingrained in the mind it becomes easier now, and we become numb and numb, more and more numb to it nowadays. Okay? There was a time, I understand, that, uh, you know, and this was when I was younger, they would have those on TV. You know, if they would have a couple, they would have separate beds for them on TV. Am I right? Okay? And then they got to a point where they're, Sure, they can show them on the same bed. Now, they go beyond that. And people are okay with it. They become numb 
more and more numb to uh, those situations. We need to be like Job. Remember what said about Job? He was a just and upright man. What was his relationship to evil? He escheweth evil. You know what to eschew evil is? Okay? It means you just detest it. You just don't want to be near it. You just don't want it. Okay? Uh, you just detest it. You've got to stay away from it. Just like when somebody gives me a dish and it's got broccoli in it. <laughs> if I'm forced to have that dish with broccoli in it, I'm going to pick that broccoli out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I know it's good for you. There's other things I can eat that are good for me in replace of that. Understand? But that's the relationship I have with broccoli. Are you with me? Okay? And so, uh, I eschew broccoli. Are you with me? Job eschewed evil. He tested it. Was, it was like, you know those magnets? Remember when you were a child? You had those two magnets? And you tried to put the same polarities together, the north with the north. What happened? Just kept pushing against each other. That's how God's people should be with sin. But we want to tamper with sin and see how close we can get to it. But we should be like those magnets just, just being repelled against sin. It is sin that separates us from God. Why? Because sin is the opposite of God's holiness. It just goes the opposite way. I remember having a neighbor before. I was there, I was talking to him, and we shared a driveway, and it was split in half because it was a duplex. And his little boy was there. And his little boy was playing around my car. And he said, Tony Jr., stay away from that man's car. And sure enough, Tony Jr., being a very obedient son, stayed away from my car. So there is my car right there, and this is what he was doing to my car. He was getting as close to it as he can without touching it. His dad told him, don't touch that car, and so he got as close as he can without touching my car. Aren't we like that sometimes? We want to see how close we can get without crossing the line, okay? But here, again, uh, aggression begets more aggression, okay? And so, let me share a, a couple of things here. Here, the psalmist, David, he says, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. That is a very important principle, okay? When you train in the martial arts and you're doing those fighting techniques, that's what you're constantly being ingrained in. Combat mind versus mind of Christ. Philippians 2, verse 5 to 8. Here's what it says about Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as men, he what? He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. It's about humbling ourselves. When you train with that combative mind, you are the superior. You are to be the supreme. 
The mind of Christ, Matthew eleven twenty nine. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am what meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Okay. In the next couple of sessions, as we close off, we're going to talk about uh, Christ's kingdom. Okay, and and so forth. But anyway, let's look at the problem now of having wrong bullets. You may have bullets now, but it's no good if it's the wrong bullet. They all have different sizes and shapes and so forth. You got to have the right bullet. Now, I trained, when I trained in martial arts, and like I said, I trained for 11 years and then ran my own studio and so forth. I gave my life to the Lord. It was then the Lord had to, to re, reshape the way I was thinking and so forth. After being uh, an Adventist for about two and a half years, so after my baptism, um, we were baptized in the end of December. We came to Michigan, to Andrews University. I went back to school. I went there, um, you know, to do the, the uh, undergrad, bachelor's degree. It was a four-year program. The Lord had me do it in two years. Lord knew I, I couldn't handle four years of school. <laughs> so he was merciful, and I finished it in two years. But during that time, we went there. And uh, my wife, she needed to do something at the uh, Secretary of State to do something with the licensing and so forth. So we went there. And so we waited. And then they called her number up. And so she was at the counter. Now, after being at the counter, she was there. And I was just sitting, waiting at, you know, where the chairs are. And I was there. And it was a hot summer day. And so I'm just sitting there. And all of a sudden... Somebody walks in to the, you know, the Secretary of State. Now, this guy, he was a buff guy. He had like a tank top on. This guy like had muscles where I don't, in places I don't even have places. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so he comes in, and he had like shorts on. I mean, he looked like, he looked like a Mr. Olympia type of thing, but he looked, he looked tough. Now, understand, I already gave my life to the Lord. But all of a sudden, see, combative mind is almost like a, a light switch. It's an on and off. So here, here he is. I'm just sitting there. And all of a sudden, my mind goes through what would happen if he gets closer, how I am going to take him and break his arm and take him down and so forth. This is going through my mind. I already gave my life to Jesus Christ. Now, to top it off, shortly after, there's somebody else that comes in. Now, this one now, he wasn't as big as this guy, but this guy was a biker. This guy's a biker. He had, you know, those leather vests on and so forth, and he comes in, and he looked like more meaner than the first guy. <laughs> so now, guess what's going through my mind? Now, understand, when you have two opponents, it's not like fighting two opponents, Okay, it does not multiply, it's exponential. Because now you can't just fight, it's not like fighting two people. You have to drop that first person right away. See, uh, when you watch, you know, sports and so forth, you know, and there's a difference between a, a fight and brawling. Okay, brawling is when you have rounds, you know, you get uh, three-minute rounds and you go 12 rounds and so forth. Well, that's a brawl, 
Fighting is when you, when you, once you engage, you have three to five seconds to finish that person off. Three to five seconds. If it takes longer than that, you're in a brawl. It's no longer a fight. Are you with me? Okay. So the training I did is you finish that person in three to five seconds. That's it. You finish them off. So what happens now is I see that first person. I see the second person. So now in my mind, the stakes are higher. So now I'm seeing how I'm going to destroy the first person even quicker. Because now you don't give time because you don't want them getting up when you're on the second guy. Are you with me? So this light switch turned on, and I'm there, and I'm, and I'm seeing how I'm going to drop this guy instantaneously in even less than three seconds, perhaps in, in a split second or even one second at the most. Then how I'm going to take this guy, break his legs, and take him down. Nice thing for a Christian to think of, right? It was then that the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit got a hold of me, and I'm going, what am I doing? And you know what the problem was? I could not get out of it. I could not get out of that combative mind. And then I remember somebody telling me, when you find yourself in a situation of temptation, sing a hymn. Sing a hymn. Now understand, I'm a new Christian, so I'm trying, I remember this, I go, okay, what hymn do I know? What hymn do I know? The only ones I know were, were from growing up, the rock and roll kind of hymns, you know, Elvis Presley, amazing, you know, I'm not even going to sing, but you know, Amazing Grace, okay, the Elvis, fine, that's fine, you know. And I'm thinking of other hymns that I've learned recently in church. I can't remember what hymn it was. But I just started singing it in my mind, the hymn, those wonderful hymns. And all of a sudden, I just felt myself just calming down. And that spirit, that spirit had left me, that evil spirit. And all of a sudden, the combativeness was gone. But it took the Holy Spirit, the true spirit, to come in and to help me. So they, they're there. My wife is done at the counter. She's done. She comes to me now. Now remember, I'm just sitting there. I didn't physically do anything to these individuals. My wife comes up to me and says, who are you fighting? <laughs> she knew because she sensed that combative mind, that mind I used to have when we trained. She knew I was fighting. Nobody else knew. Somebody else, if they were in my aura, they would have sensed something. But the Holy Spirit got a hold of me. You see, the, the, the problem with combative mind is it's an on and off switch, and once you have it, it becomes ingrained in your mind. I remember one, one student I was training, we were going over a... Uh, what happens, you know, a simple, a simple technique. What happens if somebody grabs you from behind in your shoulder and spins you around and then, you know, to, to sucker punch you? So they, they pull you. Um, well, let me show you. Come on up. This is okay. He's my son, so I can do whatever I want. <laughs> One of my sons. This is, you know, where somebody comes and they pull and then they sucker punch you. Okay, that's what we were doing. Okay, so you can have a seat. So what happens here is we've been training and we went over, it's repetition, repetition. You're creating those, those mind, uh, you're training the mind, the muscle memory. So we are training, so when somebody pulls you, you basically you know, come around and then you just, you, you do the hit. 
So when they come, they pull your shoulder, you clear the arm, you just come in and you're doing the strike to their head. Come back, so we did that repetition after hundreds and hundreds of time. So it becomes muscle memory, it becomes natural. The next class or the next week when, they, when he came back, he told me the story. He was at the mall. He was at the mall. Somebody came and put their hand on his shoulder. And you know what he did? He went like this, and he came in with full intent, and he, at last moment, pulled back. It was his grandmother. It was his grandmother. Why? Because it became part of the muscle memory, became part of that nature. Okay? That is not the way we should react to things. Are you with me? That is the combative way to react to things. Uh, so let's go back to the problem with having wrong bullets. So in other words, the wrong mindset. Anybody know this fella? Laura Nelson? All right. He's an ordained minister. He's retired. I don't know if they really ever retire, but he trained in judo. He tells, told me a story. He had this friend. Now, he's not that big. Many of you have seen him. You know, he's only about yay, yay high. Yeah, to you, he's down here. To me, he's about here. <laughs> okay? Anyway, so, yeah, so he's not that big. But he had a friend who was like six foot something, right? Now, the thing with his friend, you know, and they grew up together. His friend's an Adventist and so forth. His friend, he's a big guy, and his friend was not even allowed to play fight with his brother when they were growing up, okay? So his friend, he's a, he's a big guy. Anyway, I'm going to make a long story short. They were in New York, and they noticed some guy was following them. They would go one place, and the guy's there. He's just looking at them and so forth. They go somewhere else. And it came to a point, they went to like an eatery or something, or it could have been outside, point of the matter is they are there and uh, they're looking at this guy he's at a distance and he had something in his hand they couldn't tell if it was a broken bottle or a knife and here's what Lauren did he sized the guy up and in his mind he went through the scenario of when we when they get closer of how he is going to disarm the guy of whatever weapon it was, how he's going to take him, grab his arm, hip-toss him, and take him down. So he's running through that, those scenarios in his mind, and how he's going to show this guy not to mess with him. Okay? So they get up, and they're walking towards this guy. And all of a sudden, this guy just drops what's in his hand, and he runs. He just runs, just like that. Now, Lauren's friend, who's a quiet guy, he's a big guy, but he's a quiet guy. You know, you know some people like that who are fairly quiet, quiet guy. But at this moment, he went pen Pentecostal on him. He started jumping up and down, praise God, praise God. And Lauren just looks at him. You know, he has to look up, right? He looks at him and says, what's the matter with you? The guy says, Lauren, you won't believe this. When we were uh, there just looking at that guy and, and looking at what he's, he might do when we get closer to him, I was praying, Lord, Lord, please, 
when we get up and we get closer to this guy, have him just drop whatever's in his hand and just have him run away from us. The Lord honored his, his prayer. And this is when, this is what Lauren told me. He said, I was rebuked when my friend trusted in the Lord and I trusted in my abilities. It was the wrong mindset. He, was, he had that combative mind going, and yet his friend had prayers going. And this is judo. This is known as the, the gentle way. Okay? But anyway, so we find that uh, here with that, with that combative mind, when you don't have combative mind, you have a false sense of confidence. But with combative mind, the practitioner is left with the what? Wrong sense of confidence. If you don't have it, then it's a false sense of confidence. You're confident, but you're gonna be in, you're gonna be in big trouble. But if you do have it, it's the wrong sense of confidence because where is the confidence? In self. That is why it is called what? Self-defense. That is why it is called self-discipline. That is why it's called self-mastery. What is the common thread? Self. So the, the confidence becomes in God rather than, uh, sorry, confidence becomes in self rather than God. Without combative mind, I'm just summarizing here, the practitioner is left with a false sense of confidence. But with combative mind, the practitioner is left with the wrong sense of confidence. The confidence is in self and not in God. The solution, dear friends, is don't cultivate combative mind, but rather cultivate the mind of Christ. Submit yourself to the Lord. Let Him give you the mind of Christ. Here's some thoughts from Ellen White. Talking about Jesus Christ in, the, in Special Testimonies on Education, page 192. We read this before. He was the great educator for the present and future life. I have not been able to find one instance where he educated his disciples to engage in amusement of football or pugilistic games. What does pugilistic mean? Pertaining to brutality. Back then, you know, it was, it was boxing. Now, you don't just box. Now you grapple. Now you kick. Now you've, I've seen them, uh, uh, you know, you'll see the pictures and videos of them kicking each other in the head. Not just punching, but kicking and so forth. Pugilistic games, this is like Rome back in the Colosseum times. Pugilistic games to obtain what? Physical exercise. I hear this all the time. Well, we'll do physical exercise. Uh, it's just so we can exercise. No, no, no. The mind is being cultivated. While you're getting the physical exercise, your mind is also getting exercise, but in pugilism or in theatrical for more performances, and yet Christ was our pattern in all things. Here's another one. This is Education, page 210. This is an excellent book when we want to train uh, the young people and so forth, you know, for those of you who are teachers. Some of the most popular amusements, such as football and boxing, have become schools of brutality 
They are developing the same characteristics as did the games of ancient Rome. How much more so now with mixed martial arts and so forth. The love of what? Domination. The pride in mere what? Brute force. The reckless disregard of life are exerting upon the youth a power to what? Demoralize. That is appalling. Notice that there's a love of domination, reckless dis, uh, you know, disregard of life, etc. Okay? And there's pride in mere brute force. The principle there is in Proverbs 23, verse 7. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. My dear friends, to train in these arts, you need that combative mind. To have that where you are the supreme, you are in that, that mode, but it is not the mind of Christ. It is the mind of one who sees somebody as an object and not someone we need to win to Jesus Christ. Understand that I still fight. What I fight, I fight is a fight of faith. Are you with me? We are in a spiritual warfare. There is a fight going on. But I'll tell you right now, I cannot fight. It is Christ that fights for me. He's the one that gives the victory. We fight not flesh and blood, but spiritual dominions, dear friends. It's a spiritual warfare. And we'll talk more about that in the next couple of days. Because there is a fight going on and this is not the, the, the field we need to be in. Christ said, my kingdom is not of this world. And we'll unpack that. Okay? This time, many questions. People actually kill each other with this stuff. You never hear on the news. You hear people shooting a policeman or you never hear about anyone that... Not in America, you don't. <laughs> Not in America, you don't. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In the Philippines, uh, Philippines is known for knife fighting. Um, that's where many uh, martial arts masters go. They want to learn about knife fighting. Uh, over there, what happens is um, uh, young people, a lot of them have knives. And, yeah, a lot of them get into fights and killed, and, and they know how to use them. One, one master in, in uh, knife fighting, okay, um, one time he had, uh, he had seven guys, and he, and he fought with them and so forth. So it happens, just not in America. <laughs> yeah. Okay, actually, let me backtrack to the question because we gave an answer and it's on record. The, the question to the answer I just gave was that, uh, gave was that uh, do, do people actually use the martial arts to kill other people rather than just shooting them? That's my, I'm summarizing. Um, but anyway, and like I said, not in America, other places they do. Um, but now, now the next question is, do you still have those tendencies? Those? Do I analyze individuals? The answer there, my dear friend, is yes, I do. 
I'm seeing how I can witness to them for Jesus Christ. <laughs> so yes, I still analyze people, and I see who is receptive, and then I'm trying to figure out how can I witness to this person about Jesus Christ and the gospel. So the answer is yes, I still do, but in another way. It's a different bullet now. It's a different bullet, okay? And that's how we should be. We should be looking who we can uh, witness to about Jesus Christ, okay? And then getting back to the, uh, to the uh, question earlier about what happens, you know, with yielding and so forth uh, in situations. Understand um, to be able to, uh, to yield properly and, and so forth. Understand that in situations, what happens in, in, in the classroom is different than on the street because out there, the, uh, the attacker's adrenaline is high, okay? So what happens is we need to understand that, that um, you may yield and so forth, but as soon as he gets a hold of you, even when you hit that person, if you don't have combative mind, they are in such a state that they may not even feel your hit. You see what I'm saying? You may hit that person, they may not feel it. And, and, and so what happens now, and that's why in my training, the ones that were in the lower level, okay, versus the ones in the higher level, we need to be careful because the ones in the lower level, their combative mind isn't that high, so when they hit somebody else, they don't feel it, okay? And so uh, what happens is you got to develop that combative mind to be able to destroy that person for them to even feel it. And that's not even going into the area like we talked about yesterday into where you get more into the spiritual realm and where you get into the meditation, okay? I remember, it's bothering me. I remember when, uh, when I used to teach, I would interview students before I took them on as a student. I had this one guy, he was a big guy, he was close to 300 pounds, 200 and something. He was big, like I'm not big myself. So I knew for this person, when I, when I do a demonstration, I do a demonstration when I do the interview, I knew that I could not do the, you know, the more external, hard style. Okay, or the combative part. So what I did is I got back into what we were talking about yesterday, more of the meditative internal arts. So there was this individual, he was a big guy, so I demonstrated. And what had happened is, uh, sir, can I have you come on up here? He didn't sign a liability, so I won't do anything to him either. <laughs> so here he is, he's there. So I demonstrated. I just went, did some soft movements, and then what happened is as soon as my hands touched, just touch, no force, it just touched. His feet picked up off the ground about four to six inches, and he was still vertical. He went straight back against the wall, which was about, I don't know, it was anywhere between 10 to 15 feet uh, behind. Okay, it was more close to 15 actually. And he smacked and then he fell down and he was out. There was a class, one of my apprentices, I had him teach the class in the other room. They came running out because they thought the whole place was, was crumbling down. And so he fell down. They're all looking at him and they're wondering what happened. 
Okay, thank you. But my point here is when you're out on the streets, that is why I say that is not the solution. There will always be something else there. Whether there's a, somebody who's a better fighter, whether you got two people attacking you or three, that is not the solution. You have to get into those other levels that I speak of to get more and more proficient. And now you're going down the wrong path. You are now into uh, spiritualism. You are now into another kingdom. Whereas you may have started that first step thinking it was innocent, but your direction is that way. And so what happens here is the solution is not to get into that, but the solution is to trust God uh, more fully and, and have the greater faith. I'm not saying that you don't do anything. I don't mean that you just stand there. Okay, I'm going to talk about this in the next uh, day or two. About, uh, I'll give you a little uh, synopsis, I guess. But anyway, uh, about, about having Samson's strength. Okay, that's all I'm saying. If you want to know what that is, come back tomorrow. Okay, or the next day, whenever I share it. But I'm going to share it. But, so what happens is, put it this way, let me summarize it this way. Because we need to draw it to a close. Let me summarize it this way. Let's say I have one guy who's a master in the martial arts. Okay, I'm going to have, you come on up here, sir. So here's the master in the martial arts. Can he pass off as a master in the martial arts? Yes? They're shaking their head. No, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, you got to be convincing. <laughs> anyway. You try not to be. Okay. He's the master in the martial arts. Now, I'm going to have, let me see. Have you come on up? No, this lady here. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those are, yeah, but anyway. We're walking in a dark alley. I have the option. Am I going to go down a dark alley? Now, number one is use common sense. Don't be in a dark alley 2 o'clock in the morning. I've had people say that, you know. Well, what if, there's a lady asking me, what if I was in a dark alley at 2 o'clock in the morning? I mean, I got to learn self-defense so, so, you know, nothing happens to me. And I'm going, what are you doing down a dark alley 2 o'clock in the morning? You see what I'm saying? Sometimes we put ourselves in situations that we don't need to be in. I would rather walk, let's say whatever, let's say that's the only uh, way to get home, whether it's a dark alley or a dark street or maybe through a park. So we have the martial arts master over here. We have somebody who's tied to God real closely. Doesn't know self-defense, but she knows the Lord intimately. Okay? Very closely. Guess who I'd rather go down that dark alley or that dark street with? With her. I'd rather trust her connection with God rather than his skill in the martial arts. That's where I'm at in my journey. Okay? Does that make sense? All right. Thank you. Yes? I know With a Christian than mm. any of their other buddies because he doesn't get hit. Okay. The ammo doesn't come in. Right, right, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so having a combat situation, being in a foxhole, they'd rather have a Christian there so they are not, uh, they feel safer 
with their Christian buddy in there. Okay, that's for the recording. <laughs> <laughs> that is that was when something took over it was a spiritual manifestation it was not it was something that took over whenever I broke bricks whenever I did things like that something takes over yeah so all right very good so we'll continue tomorrow and, uh, and then the next day as well. So back here at 3.30, let's bow our heads for prayer. Before we do, let me ask you this very important question. We here wants to say to the Lord today, Lord, I want to trust you so fully that you will truly be my shield and my buckler and my shelter, my protector. Anybody want to say this? Praise yeah. God. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Loving Father, thank you for your love and your mercy. We thank you that we, we can have you as our shield, Lord, as you are our shepherd. You are the one that protects us. Bless us now. Keep us. And Lord, we recognize that we are in spiritual battle. We need our older brother, Jesus Christ, the general, to fight our battles for us. And we thank you that you sent him to die for each one of us, that we may have eternal life. For it's in his mighty name we pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.